First Peter chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Say hallelujah, somebody. Look at verse number 5 now. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Tonight I want to preach this subject on raising up a lively church. Thank you and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Last night, if you were here, you will know that I preached on preaching to a dying nation. And I preached to you last night that the only hope that this nation has, and in fact the only hope that any individual or any nation of this world has, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I preached to you that it's only through Jesus Christ that we can find hope for this life and for that which is to come. And tonight my assignment is to preach to you on how that God in the midst of a dying nation is still raising up a lively church. Amen. It's good to know that although we see death and sin and corruption on every hand, that God is still doing a work in the midst of these troublous times. It's good to know that God has not completely abandoned us, that God has not completely forsaken us, that God has not completely left us without a witness, 
and left us without truth. Amen. Uh, you ought to be able to thank God tonight for the fact uh, that even though this world is spinning out of control, uh, that God is still very much in control uh, and that God is still moving mightily in the earth to save such as call upon His name. Somebody say amen tonight. Uh, God, in fact, uh, is interested in raising up not a dead church, not a weak church, not a cowardice church, not an anemic and sickly and backsliding, amen, uh, not a wicked and devilish and carnal church, uh, but He is interested in raising up a lively church because uh, even as in your body you need something like medicine oftentimes uh, to combat the sickness of your physical body, as we well know, uh, this world needs an antidote for the sin that is rampant in our culture. And I'm telling you today, for those uh, that hate the church, uh, could you imagine how much more vile and how much more wicked this country and this world would be were it not for the churches that God raised up uh, around this world uh, to hold a light in the darkness, uh, to preach hope to the hopeless, amen, uh, to give comfort to those that mourn. Uh, I thank God today uh, that there's still a glimmer of hope, uh, that the light's still on at the house of God, uh, and God still has a remnant uh, that's worthy, I mean, that's walking and praising one who is worthy to be praised tonight. Amen, church. Uh, God is raising up uh, a lively church. He wants a church uh, that is on the move. If you look at that verb, that word lively in the Greek, it means to live. It means to breathe. It means to be among the living. Not lifeless. Not dead. In case you were confused. Amen. It means to enjoy real life. It means to have true life and worthy of the name. It means to be active. Blessed. And it means, I love this one, endless in the kingdom of God. Amen. God is wanting a lively church. One that lives up to the name of being alive. There was a church in the book of Revelation who had a name that they were alive, but they were in fact dead. But this text is talking about the church that lived up to their name. That they were not only called alive, but they were alive. And I'm not interested in what you have on your church sign. I'm not interested in what's wrote down on your uh, baptismal certificate or what denominational persuasion you are of. I'm interested in knowing whether or not there's any kind of life inside of you uh, that bears fruit of eternal life residing down deep inside of your heart. Amen. Uh, you can say that you're alive and be just as dead uh, as dead can be. Amen. There's many people today uh, that say they're a Christian, uh, but they wouldn't know God if He sat down in their lap. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you tonight, God's looking for a lively church. God's looking for a church that's on the move, not that pays Him lip service and talks a good talk but forsakes the walk. But God's looking for people that will give God their all and live for God wholeheartedly and not half-heartedly. And it would shun hypocrisy and seek to walk a real walk with God. Can I get an amen tonight? God's looking for a lively church. And we need to know what it looks like to raise up a lively church. And I want to say this, uh, that you're going to have to start with the youth. The, the youth is not the church of tomorrow. 
The youth is the church of today. Our text in verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. That tells us that God is recruiting infants into His army. God's recruiting those that are just but babes that would be hungry and hungry and thirsty for the Word of God and for the things of God that would be willing to grow by the Word of God. And you, you, you don't need to look any more further for life than to look to the youth that God's raising up in this generation. And I want to tell you right now, if you're a young person and you're you're not serving God in any capacity. You've missed the whole boat. You can spend your whole life and waste it on, on money and sex and power and prestige and popularity and all that kind of junk. And you can miss the whole boat because, listen, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What, or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm telling you, God's recruiting infants into His army. God's looking for some young people that will stand up and say, I don't know about my mama and my daddy, and I can't speak for my peers, I can't speak for my classmates, but I'm going to have to stand up and say, Lord, I'm yours, and you're mine, and I'm going to serve you no matter what comes my way. God's recruiting an army, and He's looking for you, my friend. It don't matter how young you are, the younger you are, the better. The more years you'll have to give to Him. But I'm telling you, church, it's time that we begin to recruit them from our children and our grandchildren and our great children and grandchildren and raise them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Amen. Let me give you quickly three things for a lively church. To be raised up, they must be, number one, prepared. They must be, number one, prepared. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6 says to train up a child. In the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you look up that phrase, train up a child. This word train means to draw along, to entice, to allure, and to exercise, to discipline, to teach and form by practice. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Uh, that, there's two elements to this training up a child. First of all, is to draw them and entice them to go in the right direction. Now, you know as well as I do that when you have an infant or a toddler, if you let them alone to their own devices, they'll get into all kinds of mischief and they will likely hurt themselves or somebody else. So you have to steer them in the right direction because the Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And so it's going to take some people with some grit and determination. It's going to take some mamas and daddies that tell their children no sometimes. It's going to take their mom and daddy sometimes to say, you will go to the house of God. You will hear the preaching of the Word of God. That means to, to lead them along because without your guidance, they were born sinners. And without your guidance, they will die sinners. And God forbid that they die in the same condition that they were born. It's up to us to lead them to Jesus and to show them the right way tonight. We must train them. We must entice them. We must draw them. We must allure them. Well, preacher, I don't believe in making my children go to church. Well, you make them go to the ball games, don't you? Hello. 
You make them go to school and let them indoctrinate them, don't you? Hello, why hasn't you given the world all the permission in the world to fill your children full of filth, but you refuse to take them to the holy place that can save the wretched soul and deliver them from the burning hell? Can I get an amen tonight? We need to train our children up in the admonition of the Lord. You say, that's child abuse. No, my friend, what's child abuse is leaving them to their own devices and letting them go their merry way without any instruction. Uh, amen. You are a fool to think that that's the best way to raise your child. Dr. Spock got it wrong a long time ago, and it's about time we raise our children by the book again. Can I get an amen tonight? Raising our children up. Uh, if you'll raise them right, you'll raise up a lively church. You'll raise up a real church. You'll raise up a genuine church. You'll raise up some children that fall in love with Jesus and stay in love with Jesus. I'm talking about training up a child. That first part was to draw them, but the second part is to exercise and discipline and to teach and form by practice. This is called on-the-job training. That means sometimes you got to walk alongside them and don't just tell them to go tell somebody about Jesus but say, come on, boy, we're going to go invite some people to church and you're going to watch how it's done. And I'm going to go invite my neighbor and you're going to be a, you're going to be right there with me. And then next time after you saw me do it a time or two, I'm going to give you a shot at it. And then you're going to train them and teach them how to invite somebody to church and how to be polite at the doorstep. You're going to teach them to make it a practice and a discipline to do what's right because the Bible says he that knows to do good and do it to not to him it is sin. Amen. Uh, we always talk about the sins that you commit, but what about the omitted sins, the things you should have done and you didn't do? And we have failed to teach our children to be disciples of Christ. Uh, it's time that we quit dragging them to church and expecting them to get everything they need from God on one Sunday morning service during the week uh, and start showing them how to live for Jesus out there in the world. Start showing them how to be a witness on your job site and in your living room and show them how to turn off the television when the language gets too filthy and the scenes get too nasty. Can I get an amen tonight, church? It's time that we show them what it's like to raise children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. The Bible said in our text, First Peter chapter 1, and I mean 2 and verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice... I'm talking about training them. What are you going to train them to do? You're going to, train them, you're going to have to train them how to lay aside all malice. That means all ill will towards others. They need to know that when they want to get vengeance on somebody, that you need to be the one to tell them, Hey, boy, that's not the way to go. Hey, girl, that's not the way to do it. It says that laying aside malice, all guile, that word guile is deceit or craftiness. You need to teach them not to lie. You need to teach them not to steal. You need to teach them not to be deceptive and crooked. You need to say, boy, that's wrong. Girl, that's wrong. And yeah, every once in a while you need to give them an old-fashioned whooping. Amen. I know that's not popular, but I'm telling you what the Bible says, the rod of correction. It says if you spoil the rod, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Amen. And I'm telling you, we need to tell them uh, 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 to steer away from hypocrisy, it says. That means acting 
or pretending. You know how a lot of us are guilty of doing uh, in church ourselves. Amen. Uh, you know why your children are hypocrites? Because they learn from the best actors. Amen. Uh, they learn from the ones in the mirror. Praise God. Uh, if we would get real with God, they might start considering getting real themselves. Amen. Uh, they see through the phony. They see through the fake and the facade. Uh, you might as well hang it up and quit trying to pretend like you love Jesus and trying to tell all you're doing is raising a child uh, sevenfold the child of hell is yourself uh, when you pretend to be a Christian but you're not one. Amen. Uh, but I tell you what you do. You get sold out to God, Mom and Dad. Uh, you get sold out to Jesus and you increase the likelihood uh, that your children will get a hold of it themselves. Amen. Uh, you will remove a lot of roadblocks and a lot of barriers and a lot of hindrances, but you're going to have to teach them uh, to shun hypocrisy, to lay aside the act and the pretending and get real with God. It says also to lay aside envy. That is, listen, to lay aside the feeling of uneasiness or discontent at the sight of superior excellence reputation or happiness enjoyed by others. That's old-fashioned jealousy. Why today, nowadays, the kids compare themselves one with another, and if they see somebody outperforming them, all of a sudden they get envious. All of a sudden they want what they got, and they can't rejoice in another man's success, so they try to cut them down, and they try to cheat them out, and they try to step on somebody to climb, make their way up by knocking somebody else down. And we talk them how to do it by the way we operate at work and trying to get our promotions by lying and cheating and stealing. But God help us to get real. God help us to repent of our sins and to teach our children how to be walk in honesty and in integrity and to earn your promotion. Amen. And if you didn't earn it, you ought not to get it. Amen. And to learn how to celebrate somebody else's success. Just because they're successful, their success don't make you a failure. Amen. If anything, instead of getting envious of them, you need to learn how to make them your teacher and figure out what they did that was right so you can make yourself better. I'm talking about this is how we start preparing our children to be raised up as a lively church. Teach them to lay aside all that envy. Amen. I've never seen the likes of such envy in our culture today. People so jealous of one another. Kids comparing themselves one with another. Uh, hearing of kids uh, that feel so left out because they can't buy the nice pair of shoes, nicest pair of shoes or the nicest dress clothes. And other kids uh, acting like they're better than you and all this junk. Uh, if they had mamas and daddies that taught them what real life was all about, they would realize none of that stuff is important at all. Amen. Oh, yeah, we've become vain. Our culture has become vain. And we got kids committing suicide over vanity issues. Things that won't last through another year or two. And they think their life is over because they can't have what somebody else had. They think their self-worth is found in substance of some kind, in possessions of some kind. But if we would teach them how to lay aside this envying, they would be a lot happier in life. Can I get an amen? Laying aside... All evil speaking. Do I need to even go there? Ah, uh, man. Don't let your youngins back talk you. That's exactly right. And you gotta teach them young. If you'll start real young with them, it'll be a lot easier when they get older. But if you wait till the uh, Mr. Little Johnny, Amen. Or little Susan is out of control about 14 years old, you just about waited too long. 
Amen. Uh, but the good news is, uh, you say, well, preacher, I don't wait it too long. Uh, well, why don't you start today anyway? Amen. Uh, why don't you just decide right now to go ahead to your children that are rebellious and sinful? And confess to them that you wronged them. That you were sinful because you didn't raise them right and teach them right and discipline them like you should have. And when you start there, they might be willing to listen a little bit of what you got to say. They may not like it at first, but at least you have a starting point. Can I get an amen? And then teach them not to run off their mouth and teach them to show some people some respect. Amen. I mean, where's the respect and where's the decency today? I'm telling you, if you want a lively church, you're going to have to have a church with people full of dignity and character and the ability to conduct themselves respectfully in public uh, and to treat others with care and concern uh, and lay aside all that filthy speaking. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about preparing them for real life. Amen. You can teach them your prideful ways if you want to, but it won't bring them nothing but the trouble it brought you. You might as well just say amen. I'm talking about raising up a lively church. It starts by preparing them, by training them to lay aside all those things that verse 1 of our text said for us to lay aside. But not only that, number two, we've got to give them direction. Once you prepare them by laying aside some things, it's time to start telling not just what not to do, but what to do and which way to go. That verse that I, I quoted earlier, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Note, that word way means a, it means a journey and it means a manner. That, that is, it means where to go and how to go. That is, it means actions and attitudes. Can I get an amen? Are you listening to me? Verse 2 of our text said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. This is how you give your children direction. You teach them to go to the Word of God. You teach them to read the Word of God. You teach them to respect and love the Word of God. You teach them to memorize the Word of God. You teach them to practice the Word of God. And you teach them to love the preaching of the Word of God. And you teach them the hunger and the thirst after righteousness. So you teach them by practice to a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this deals directly with how to direct their actions. Somebody say amen tonight. I'm telling you the Word of God is what will give our, our next generation the direction that they need. You know what breaks my heart tonight before I go on? Is there's so many churches today that don't even believe what they say they believe. They claim they believe the Bible, but they'll slice it and dissect it and, and explain away certain portions of it and tell you, well, that's not for us. And, well, that's not really accurate. Uh, in fact, this is probably a better rendition than that. And, and we get our kids so confused about what to believe and what not to believe uh, that they learn how to doubt the Bible in the very place it was supposed to teach them how to believe the Bible. Yes, amen. You might as well clap your hands. You might as well say amen. God help us to teach our children to believe the Word of God. Amen. I believe it from cover to cover. I believe in, I like what, uh, I like what Billy Kelly said. I even believe where it said genuine leather. Amen. I believe every 
uh, every jot and every tittle of it, uh, that the Word of God is pure, that the Word of God is spotless, uh, and the Word of God is reliable. I know uh, that they taught us in, in public school systems, many of us, uh, amen, they taught us that uh, it was in error. They taught us in fact, God did not create the world. That we somehow were a mistake, cosmic mistake, billions and billions of years ago. And some of our stinking churches have bought into that lie and tried to mix evolution with in the beginning God. And they taught our children in Sunday school how to doubt God's Word from the very first verse. And I'm telling you tonight that if we want a lively church, you won't get a lively church doubting the Word of God. You need a church that believes every word in the Word of God. Amen. We need to teach them by practice to hunger and thirst after the righteousness. And this will teach them how to act. But it goes on, verse 5 of our text. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ. Look at that. He said to teach them to offer up spiritual sacrifices Amen. If verse 2 directs their actions, then verse 5 directs their attitudes. We need to teach our kids not only what to do, but how to do it. Don't just serve God, but serve God with a thankful heart. Don't serve Him begrudgingly. Don't serve Him acting like you have to be dragged into church and dragged into the youth group and dragged into occasions. Amen. We need to teach our children you you don't just serve God by being dragged into it, but you need to get to a place where you can actually enjoy it and have the right attitude about it because God, don't just look at your actions. God sees your heart. And if your heart's not in it, then God already knows that it's fake. Amen. We need to teach them to direct their acts and their attitudes. Hebrews thirteen fifteen gives us a glimpse of what spiritual sacrifices are. When it said, By Him therefore let us offer and sacrifice the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Oh, how your children going to learn how to praise God in a storm if all you do is mumble and grumble and complain in your storm. It's time that we start lifting up holy hands and saying like Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not let the devil steal my shout. I will not let the devil steal my praise. And if things get tough, amen, my praise will get a little bit tougher. Amen. But I'm not going to let the devil give uh, give an inch in my life or take an inch in my life. And I'm sure not going to let my children watch the life drain out of me as I give up on my adoration to the Lord. You ought not to change your opinion about God just because your circumstances change. He's very much as much God today as He ever was. And He's ever much as worthy of your praise as He ever has been. Whether you're up or whether you're down. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor. Whether you're well or whether you're sick, God's still holy, God's still worthy, and your children need to see you offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Amen. For better or for worse. Hallelujah. Woo! Can I preach a little bit? Amen. We need to teach them by practice to give thanks and praise to God. This directs their attitude. I'm talking about how that we need to prepare them and we need to direct them. But I'd like to say thirdly, we need to release them. Can I get an amen? Once you've prepared them 
And once you've directed them, uh, that verse I quoted over in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. You know what the next part says? It says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now listen to me. Uh, this means that when he is old, that means when he is showing some age. Amen. That means that he was hooked for life. Glory to God. This denotes their uh, continuation without the necessity of childhood discipline to keep them going. That means they don't have to have mama to call in when they're 33 years old and remind them, now, Junior, it's church time. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to get to the house of God. Come on, mamas, and say amen tonight. Amen. If you raise them right, uh, you'll teach them that this is what we do without question and without fail. Uh, if God will give us the strength and we're able, we go to the house of God. That's what we do, and that's what we always do, and that's what we evermore shall do under no circumstances uh, that are beyond our control. Can I get an amen? Amen. You teach them. Amen. Uh, and the right way from the start. Uh, Amen. If you make everything in the world an excuse not to go to church, uh, your children will make even more excuses than you not to go to church. You're teaching them bad habits by teaching them that church is not a priority. Can I get an amen? It's time for us uh, to determine uh, that we're going to only release them into adulthood with the right motive, the right mindset when we ourselves have properly prepared them and properly directed them by our very own example. Amen. And so that in only then and only then will they be released properly into adulthood with the right mindset, with the right discipline. Amen. This is the end goal of discipleship. Self-motivated individuals sold out to God because of their own hunger for God and not someone else's. But only life can bring forth life. Did you hear what I just said? Only life can bring forth life. If there's no life of God in you, how can you expect your children to want the God you say that you love but show so uh, so uh, apparently that you don't? Oh, God, show us the necessity of setting the right example. Listen to me. There is nothing more awesome than a child who grows into an adult developing their own love for God. That they don't have to be motivated. They don't have to have their arm twisted. They don't have to be slapped silly. Amen. To do the right thing. Uh, ain't that what we all desire? That our children would want it. Amen. That they'd fall more in love with Jesus than they have the world. Oh, my son wouldn't want me to tell this on him. But today, I walked into the sanctuary for a few minutes. To, and there he was calling out to God and worshiping. And I don't know, but I thought I saw him wiping a tear from his eye. And I walked back to my office saying, thank you, Lord, that I didn't have to make him do that. That he went into the prayer closet all on his own. And he had a hunger and a thirst. And he knew that when he needed a touch from God, that he didn't need daddy necessarily to lay his hands on him and pray for him. Though sometimes that might help. But he knew he could go to God for himself and get a hold of God. 
Ain't that what you want, church? Don't you want self-motivated children that love Jesus with all their heart? They're not going to be perfect, neither were you. But praise God for those that want to do right, and they might stumble and fall, but a righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. You don't want a child that never falls, but you want one that never quits. Amen. You want one that says, you know what, I know I failed, but I know where I can get help. I know where I can get forgiveness. I know where I can get grace and mercy, and I'm willing to go back if I had to go seven times. Amen. I'll go back over and over and over till I get deliverance. That's what you want your children to get a hold of. Amen. <laughs> Woo! You want to release them with that kind of attitude. It said in 1 Peter 2, 9, but ye are a chosen generation. Can I tell you, young people, you are chosen for this generation. Don't feel sorry for yourselves. I know this world's going crazy. Some of you might wish that you were born in another time or era because of how crazy the world's getting. But you are chosen for this generation. That means the same God that gives the last generation the grace to get through their days, uh, He's going to give you the grace to get through your days. Don't you feel sorry for yourself? Uh, you need to acknowledge the fact that He loves you with an everlasting love, uh, and He's calling you to Himself, uh, and He has a purpose for you that's greater than anything man can employ you in the service of doing. And amen, there's no greater honor or no greater privilege than serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, he's talking to the church now, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. He wants you to show forth his praises. That literally means to tell out or forth. That means to declare abroad. That means to publish. That means to make known by praising or proclaiming. It literally means to celebrate. And there's no life in our children today because there's no life in our churches today. But God raised up some lively churches that will come alive in the presence of God. That will clap their hands and rejoice in the presence of God. That will lift up holy's hands and say hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy in the presence of God Almighty. And when the praises go up, the glory can come down and God can move in our midst again. I'm talking about God's raising up a lively church. If you want, if you want a normal around here, you might as well forget it, honey. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on my Jesus. He taught me better than that. Amen. I know too well we can't be satisfied with status quo. Normal ain't going to cut it. Amen. Amen. I'm not interested in being dry as cracker juice and boring you to tears. Amen. I've got a God to exclaim who's worthy of every ounce of noise I can muster up for Him. If anything, I'm not loud enough. Some people get offended at this kind of preaching because they say I preach too loud. I preach too hard. If truth be known, my voice is too weak and my lungs are too frail to give Him the praise that's really due His name. I wish I could shout it a little bit louder. I wish I could preach a little bit longer. I wish you could join with me and praise His name tonight. Amen. That's the kind of praising that our churches need. And my, our children need to see mom and dad when times get tough. Get in the altar at the, at the family altar and around the coffee table on their uh, at their recliner kneeling down and saying God we have a need 
that we can't supply for our children. But God, would you come through for us? And them children need to see mom and daddy jumping up and down and shouting for joy when the answer comes. And they get to tell their children what God just did for them. Amen. There's nothing that has solidified our faith in God for our children quite like answer prayer and quite like our response to God's answers to our prayers. I'll never forget the time that we was without a vehicle and our dryer had quit and we were in a tough spot and we were broke and didn't have any money. Amen. And we we just went to pray in, a, and Amy would play some of that praise and music, uh, praise and worship music there in the kitchen as she was cooking. She'd be praising and praying, uh, Amen. And sometimes the spirit of God would invade that living room or that kitchen, uh, and we'd go to squalling and bawling and praising God. Uh, and one day, similar to that, somebody came down the driveway uh, with a big old conversion van and handed us the keys and title and said, "God told us to give you this vehicle, title free and clear, My son." All I could do is weep before a holy God. All I could do is lift up hands. And them little boys didn't understand it at the time, but they saw that God came through for their mom and daddy. And God loves them and hears their prayers. I'm telling you, that's what they need to see in our families today. And if you want to be released of the next generation to be alive for God, you let God live through you. You let God show Himself mighty in your life. You grab a hold of the horns of the altar and you refuse to let go till God comes through for your family. And you watch and see if God don't start moving mountains uh, and showing them little eyes uh, how big He is and what He can do. Can I get an amen tonight? Uh, and I could give countless testimony after testimony after testimony of things that God did. Uh, just like that, the Henry family can say the same. Many of you can say the same thing uh, where you've seen God do miraculous things uh, and they ain't nothing like God doing something like that that shows our children just how real God is, but now they're going to need to hear your praise. They're going to need to see you bragging on Jesus. Don't you accept that prayer request and call it a coincidence and don't give God glory? Amen. If you pray for good weather for this meeting this week, don't you say, well, the, the weatherman got it wrong. No, God answered your prayer. Can I get an amen? You give God praise for what He's doing. Amen. Give Him credit and praise and glory. And when we do that, I'm telling you, you, you teach your children how to show forth. That is to make Him known by public praise and proclamation. Did you know that? <laughs> oh boy, that's some good stuff even if I am preaching it. Amen. Uh, I'm glad to tell you tonight uh, that we can praise and proclaim Him publicly and we can inspire a whole new generation to follow the God that we love and serve. That's how you release the next generation. That's how you raise up a lively church. Boy, if I had time to go there, I would, but I've done preached out. But I wish I could take you to Ezekiel chapter 37. I will read one verse where Ezekiel said, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. 
And I'm praying uh, that some of you that are dead in trespasses and in sins, uh, some of you that are running from God right now, uh, that this preaching that I'm doing, that the Holy Spirit of God will get in it and get on it and it will get on you and it will get in you and that which is dead inside of you will come to life. Uh, that death fear that you've turned to God will open up uh, and you'll experience the life of God for the first time. Amen. And you know what it's going to take to reach this young generation for Jesus? It's going to take Holy Ghost filled preaching of the Word of God that opens the deaf ear and changes the heart. Can I get an amen, church? And I'm praying, and I hope you're praying too, that God will win the day for our children and for our grandchildren. That they themselves will realize that God needs them. God wants them in His family, in His work, in His church to carry on the faith for future generations. Everybody stand to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. My family's going to get ready to do something for the invitation. Elijah, just be obedient to the Lord on that matter. But I want to close by saying this. The Word of God prepares, directs, and releases. That is, the Word of God is sufficient to raise up a lively church in a dying nation. And just because this nation's dying don't mean we have to die with it. Just because other churches have let sin and compromise slip into their ranks uh, don't mean we have to die with them. Amen. Uh, we can be a lively church in a graveyard. Uh, we can be a lively church with death all around us. Amen. Uh, we can be a lively church in a dying nation uh, and bring hope to this generation. 